Blog Talk Radio. Radio post game show brought to you live on bcinterruption.com. My name is Dan Rubin, and folks, BC basketball will live to fight another day in the NCAA tournament. We're going to go over the top celebrating tonight. Why? I don't know. It wasn't exactly the greatest game in the world. It probably wasn't the greatest opponent in the world with Georgia Tech, but we don't care because we actually won that game. My name's Dan Rubin. Way too excited and possibly drunk after what happened today. Joined by special guests, Brian Favat, the godfather of BC Interruption, and a man who actually does exist, as I have found out, Jeff Martin. Jeff, this is the first time I've heard your voice, and this is a beautiful thing. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm glad that uh, I can put an end to the mystery. <laughs> well, Brian, I know you're out there in California, and it was an early start for you. If uh, it was before the PM hour out there, uh, out out in the sunshine. Oh no, Sunshine State is down is is down in Florida. So whatever the heck it what is what is uh, it's it's the Gold Rush State, isn't it in California? Uh, yeah, Bear Republic. I don't know. Yeah, we'll I go with that. Well, we uh, we we go out. We pick that game. We've won four in a row. It, it must have felt pretty good having a uh, having your day kick off the right way. Yeah, definitely, Dan. I think um, there's definitely a couple stretches in the second half where uh, I thought BC wasn't going to do it. Um, there was one point where Demarco Cox got an N one and converted on the free throw. They went up three, uh, which felt like a lot more than that. And I think both teams. Uh, sort of stopped scoring for a big stretch of time. I think they went like a combined 0 for 9, 0 for 10 from the floor. Um, and then obviously the other one, you know, uh, less than two minutes to go down uh, six points. Uh, you really don't think BC is going to be able to come back. And uh, thankfully they did. The seniors live on to uh, see another game. And, and, and not only the seniors, but also Olivia Hanlon, who's, uh, been phenomenal down the stretch, and it's really, uh, uh, I'm really pleased that we'll see at least one more game with Hanlon in, in the maroon and gold. Um, so I think that's, you know, it's gravy from here on out. Well, the All East. Yeah, Brian, Brian, I don't think your stats to give it justice in the end. We were down five points with just over two minutes to go. So I don't think there are many BC fans out there that thought we were going to pull that off at that point. Yeah, I mean, you definitely look at the uh, the get the the tone of the BCI game thread. Uh, basically, like 
you know, a lot of people were wishing Olivia Hanlon well at that point and, you know, saying have a great career. And I think most BC fans threw in the towel. So uh, it's pretty remarkable that they were able to come back and uh, extend this winning streak to four games. Okay, so it's funny. My wife's over on the other side of the uh, of the living room, and she actually just looked at me as I came into the show screaming like a madman. And she was like, Hanlon's – all she yelled from the other side was, Hanlon's good, isn't he? I'm like, yeah, he's all ACC first team billing. And I almost think I left my microphone on to tell her that. So this is how excited I am about the fact that they won the game today. And when you talk about Hanlon, he had the go-ahead bucket with, with uh, just under 11 seconds to play – uh, you know, he's a guy, you, you throw it up there, 25 points, eight rebounds, five assists, a steal. Uh, you know, when it, co- when it boils down to it and you talk about Hanlon in the clutch or you talk about Hanlon in general, uh, he, he's a guy that, you know, has, he, he's just been great. And what more, you could not have gotten more out of him than you got in today's game. Yeah. It's interesting, Dan, because, uh, you know, Hanlon didn't start off, uh, well for the game you know he only really started heating up around the three minute mark uh the first half um he was trying to do some other things you know trying to distribute the ball um which i think has been definitely a a key down the stretch you know because hanlon's drawing all this attention you know um so, so he's been able to kind of distribute the ball a little bit better um and get some of these other starters in on the scoring you know, and that's been one of the, the kind of trademarks of this this four game winning streak is, you know, you're not you know, point from just Hanlon, but you're also getting uh, Heckman and Aaron Brown and even Dennis Clifford in on the scoring, Dimitri Batten, um, and then in the second half you could kind of see that you know Hanlon was shifted his role a little bit from distributor to uh, just trying to take the game over, and you know obviously when you're in that spot down one point with you know, only a few seconds left on the clock, late in the second, you want the ball in, in Hanlon's hands, and uh, definitely delivered on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, throw Dan, this I'm out. Just... What's that? No, I'll let you go. See, this is the problem what... when we're in three totally different states is we never know who's going to be talking <laughs> when. Yeah, we need a little hand signal or something. Flash <laughs> up on the screen. But... Um... I don't know. I don't know if you're. You can really say like we couldn't have gotten anything more from Hanlon. I would say we got from Hanlon exactly what we've gotten for Hanlon in eighty percent of the games he's played in a BC uniform. Certainly, certainly this year, anyway. Um, if, if you want to look at, you know, Patrick Heckman, nineteen points. There is no way we win that game if if he does what Patrick Heckman has done many times in the past, and that is, quite frankly, blow some opportunities. So. Yeah, he he shot six uh, for twelve from the from the field, including uh, three of seven from three. Um, made a couple of important free throws uh, to kind of stop the bleeding uh, for BC at one point. So I, I think without Heckman's nineteen points, you know we're um, they're, they're getting off the plane in Boston right now. Instead of getting off the plane in Boston, they will take on fifth seeded North Carolina on Wednesday in the quarter, uh, not the quarterfinal. It is. Uh... The, uh, I believe it's just the second round. It's the round before the quarterfinal. It's the round when the first buys come into play. So that's that's the uh, that's the second round. Boston College will take on fifth seed in North Carolina tomorrow afternoon. The winner moves on to face the, the one of the four seeds. I think it's actually they'll draw. I want to say Notre Dame, um, it, unless they reseed. But I could be totally wrong on that. Either way, there's a there's a whole lot of moving parts in the ACC tournament, which kind of makes it fun. 
But when you look at the uh, when you look at the Eagles and you look at the way that they played overall, we usually take an approach of a of a three up, three down after the game, a little bit of a post game. Guys, when we when we look at this game, Jeff, I'll start with you. There are still the the thing that I guess it, that we need to drill home is that there are still parts that Boston College could have done better. I I know for me, I look at at cleaning up the defensive glass. They gave up a ton of offensive rebounds to Georgia Tech. But when you look at this Boston College team and you look at the way that they played, they played good enough to win. And I don't know, you could disagree with me on this one. I feel like they actually have a higher ceiling based off the way that they've played the last week. Yeah, I I agree. This was not um, Boston College's best game in the last couple of weeks uh, by far. Um, so if, if you say, Hey, we beat Georgia tech by one and it took our best effort to do that. I would say we have absolutely no chance against North Carolina tomorrow. But when you look at it, if you watch the game, that was not BC's best effort. Um, Aaron Brown one for seven from the field, three points. We, I, I can't remember the last time we won a game without Aaron Brown scoring in double digits. So almost every game this year up until um, the last couple when uh, Demetri Batten had a game where he put up almost 20 and some things like that, um, you know, Aaron Brown is always the second leading scorer uh, right behind Hanlon. You know, Hanlon has 22, Aaron Brown has 18, stuff like that. So to only get three points off out of Aaron Brown, if we only get three points out of Aaron Brown tomorrow, um, we're definitely going home. I'll bet I'll bet a paycheck on that. But um, – you know, in reality, we'll probably get uh, 10, 15 points out of him, and that, that's a big difference, and we might have a chance against Tar Heels. Brian, your thoughts? Yeah, we lose it. Brian, are you there? Are you there? This is we're, we got to hook him up on, like, satellite link up up to, uh, up to California. We'll uh, – I'll check back in and I'll give I'll give you a couple seconds, Brian, uh, and, and then we'll reset back to you. Uh, I think it might be on my end with this stupid, faulty, no good, lousy, terrible software that this company that's probably going to kick us off the air in like a week anyway. Uh, but we look at the but we look at, at the game, and I know, like I said, I I didn't really get a chance to watch it because of the one o'clock start because I was stuck at work, and uh, you know my boss uh, went to Holy Cross, so therefore she'll never let me watch a Boston College game at work, but I, I, I already mentioned the offensive rebound, Jeff, I know, uh, priorly you'd mentioned it. And I know, uh, Brian, you'd mentioned that too. The fact that I know all starting five, they're going to play all 40 minutes. They're going to, they're going to play a ton. Once we get into this back-to-back game setup, And once we get into a long week, I would like to think that the, that the distribution or, or that the, the point distribution needs to go. If you're going to play all 40 minutes, or you're going to play 33, or you're going to play 38 minutes, in the game, you need to be able to rely on all five guys, not just three. Aaron Brown shot horrendous. You mentioned that he shot one for seven, one for four from beyond the arc. And I think that basket came in the first couple of minutes, but you know, I I realize I'm saying this and I'm kind of rolling my eyes as I'm saying it. As you get further into the tournament, I would love to see Dennis Clifford actually play like an ACC big man at some point have his moment. I don't think that's going to happen, but he's going to be my dark horse in the next couple of games. You'd never know when something weird is going to happen in the postseason. Yeah, uh, we're looking for somebody to step up because uh, if we go with the same lineup 
that we had today and we get approximately the same production. Um, Olivier Hamlin and Patrick Heckman, Heckman are not going to beat uh, the Tar Heels by themselves. And that's basically what we'd be looking at without somebody else stepping up. So, you know, you got to look at the bench. Uh, Garland Owens has shown at times that he can uh, have a, a very meaningful contribution off the bench. Um, today he had two points and two rebounds in 17 minutes. Um, Eddie Odio has shown some signs of, of being a significant uh, contributor. He certainly was in our last win uh, at home against Wake Forest. Um, he played two minutes and accumulated absolutely no stats except for a personal foul. So, you know, what, what, what's going to happen tomorrow? If, if, if Odio can't, uh, it doesn't grab a couple rebounds. Um, if, if Carney, John Kane Carney, I know um, that, that's not, not a big, big name. And um, some fans kind of roll their eyes that he even gets minutes at times. But he, he's a hard worker. Um, he's he's a little bit bigger than most of our other players. If, if he doesn't grab a couple of rebounds tomorrow, I, I don't think we have any chance. And giving up 19 offensive rebounds to Georgia Tech, um, you, you do that again, we're, we're not going to win. Brian, yeah, do we have you back? We do have um, you Yeah. Um, I think you got to look at the blueprint from the last couple of games where um, – you know, you're definitely seeing uh, more balanced scoring. I think you need to get Dennis Clifford more involved in in the offense, uh, particularly in the paint. You know, that's certainly an area where, where BC struggled. And um, I think the, you know, the, the point that Jeff's trying to make is you need to, you need, you need contributions from someone other than the starting five. Um, you know, it's been, it's been clear maybe since like the halfway point of the season that BC is only going to really go as far as the starting five can take them. But, um, you know, in a, in a tournament like this, five games in five days, you know, obviously BC is probably not going to make the final. Um, and they're, and they're really, they're playing with house money right now, but, uh, you're going to need some contributions and you're going to need some minutes from guys like King Carney, Odeo from Garland Owens, uh, maybe even Dragosevich, but, um, uh, you know, you can't really rely on these guys to be playing 40 minutes a game like you've been riding Hanlon all season, um, they're just going to start to break down. And, you know, maybe they spring the upset over North Carolina, but, you know, the issue only becomes more compounded the following night against uh, a team that's been idle for about a, a week. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see because the blueprint really has been, you know, Hanlon as distributor, Hanlon getting other guys involved in the scoring. And, um, you know, to Jeff's point, DC's not going to win tomorrow if Aaron Brown's, you know, scoring just three points and then proceeding to miss his next 11 shots uh, from the floor, from the free throw line. Yeah, let's look at the silver lining here a little bit. Um, over the, the three-game winning streak we had going into the tournament, um, you know, beat Wake Forest, who's not a great team, beat Virginia Tech, who finished last in the league, and beat North Carolina State that didn't put their best effort forward. And meanwhile, BC probably played their three best games of the season. Now, today, there is no way you can shape the numbers. There's no way you can watch the game with your eye test and say that BC played one of their um, best games that they've played in ACC play today, and we still got a win. So um, all that matters right now is that we did survive. We got the win without playing our best. You know, that, that should – 
make you feel good that, hey, if we do play our, our best, we got a chance of beating some teams better than Georgia Tech. This yeah, is I'm the BC interruption. Go for it, Brian. I was about to give out our number, but I'm going to let you guys go for it. I'm actually just going to sit back and, and observe on this one. Like I said, we're in three different states. My brain is going crazy. Go for it, guys. Um, yeah, definitely encouraged by the win. Um, I agree. BC did not play their best game today. Um, and it's it's nice to finally get that win where you're not playing your best um, best basketball Um so, but what's interesting is that, you know, you know, some of these teams had flaws down the stretch, you know, Virginia Tech and, and Wake Forest are our fellow first year coach teams, um, you know, NC State kind of laid a dud, which they're known to do at home. Um, but then you get to Georgia Tech and Georgia Tech's not a, a very good team, but I think they have a, a, a lot of talent. Um, they're probably playing below where they, where they could be, um, as evidenced by the fact that they've dropped so many games. Uh, within a few points, um, they were really st- starstruck this year. You know, they they lost something like uh, they went 0 and 13 or something against, you know, in games where they uh, decided by seven points or less. You know, that that's that's hard to do. That that level of kind of ineptitude and um, you know, right. if we're really being honest with ourselves, um, you know, BC could have been in those shoes like. I think after the the second half of the Syracuse game, I think we're really thinking that maybe this team is just going to kind of quit on Jim Christian, um, you know, in the face of mounting losses. I I can't remember which number lost uh, in a row that Syracuse game was, but, you know, they really kind of gave up in the second half of that game, but they've really responded well, um, and they're starting to be rewarded rewarded for that effort, you know, with wins down the stretch, which is uh, really cool to see. And I also think it's a, it's a good, um, you know, harboring of, of good things to come under, under Jim Christian. If these guys, um, which aren't very talented can buy in and, and kind of get results. Um, you know, BC could be a scary team in a couple of years when you, if you upgrade the talent level, um, which I think they, they, they're starting to do on the recruiting trail. Yeah, I wouldn't, it's tough this, this year with the Eagles, you know, if we win, Tomorrow, I'm going to be super pumped. I'll be at the game tomorrow. You know, I'd love nothing more than to see a a Boston College victory. But we need to be very honest with ourselves. And it's not not fair to uh, say Jim Christian is great after this year just because he – it seems like he's doing better recruiting than Donahue did. It's not fair to say that Jim Christian is terrible just because – you know, he started out the ACC play uh, one in fourteen or whatever it was. Um, but the reality of the situation is, we played eighteen now after today, nineteen ACC games. Okay, we got the other team's best effort in maybe, maybe ten, eleven, twelve of those games. Okay, where um, and we went two. And 10, if you want to say we got the other team's best effort in, in 12 games. We went 2-10 and 10 when we got the other team's best effort. And both of those wins came against Georgia Tech. And both by one point. So, um, does, that, does that mean that the team is terrible? No, it doesn't. Does that mean Jim Christian's a terrible coach? No. That's just, that's just where we are right now. So, hopefully they're putting some things together at the, at the right time of the season. And... Hopefully they're catching uh, North Carolina tomorrow on not their best day, but um, 
BC is really going to have to win at least tomorrow for us to uh, really think that, oh, this team um, really should have won more than the four ACC games that they did win this year. 646-200-446 is our number to call in and talk about this game today. The Boston College Eagles upending Georgia Tech. We're on the postgame show a little bit later than the game actually was played since uh, the game was played. It was started at 1 o'clock, and we're on here 8 o'clock on the East Coast hour. As for the game tomorrow, it will tip off at 2 p.m. Eastern on ESPN on the Family Networks. Part of the, I believe it's on ESPN, at least on short notice, uh, as part of the ACC Network. Uh, Boston College taking on North Carolina. It comes after the Clemson-Florida State game, the winner of the North Carolina-BC game, draws Louisville on Thursday. And then if it continues, they'll be part of the bracket that involves Virginia. It also involves Clemson and Florida State. Uh, Duke and Notre Dame get the double bye in the second half of the bracket, while Virginia Tech, who beat Wake Forest by one, gets uh, uh, gets Miami, while NC State plays Pittsburgh. It will be a quiz on that later, and I swear to God, everybody's not going to get it. And you know what? Neither am I, because it's fantastic. But guys, we—I'll turn it back to you. I kick it back to you as a, as a, as I keep a check here on the phone lines. And you know, Georgia Tech this year—I I know the stats are staggering uh, when we talk about Georgia Tech and the fact that they had—they uh, were last. I, I understand being last place, um, but they in the fact that they were miserable in in overtime. Uh, five-point losses or less, seven-point losses or less. They lost four games by one point. Uh, you know, it, it's a miserable season when that happens. And when you lose, it's almost like asking for your season to get put out of, me- out of misery. Brian, I'll start with you and let you guys take it away. What do we take away from Georgia Tech in, in relation to where Boston College is? Not necessarily on the floor, but off the floor with the players. Are we looking at just a, a better talent and winning on talent? Or is it a combination? I'll let you guys take it away. Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. So um, I did want to get back to Jeff's point about, you know, getting the best effort in only 12 of, you know, 18 or 19 ACC games. The thing is, uh, you know, BC had a pretty difficult schedule when you look at the entire, you know, ACC schedule. So, you know, they, they got North, uh, they got Notre Dame twice, who's really good this year. And last year um, they weren't so good. Um, and, you know, BC came close, but they couldn't knock them off last year. Um, obviously couldn't do the same this year, but, you know, Notre Dame's playing um, at a much higher level with, with Jerry and Grant back. Um, you get Syracuse twice, who's probably, you know, takes a step back from last year, uh, but still a pretty talented team, put some scares into some teams. Um, and then you get to the, the rotating home-and-homes where um, you replace, you know, Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech, um, where you got two of your four ACC wins last year, and you replace those with, um, two really bubble teams for the NCAA tournament, Pittsburgh and, and Miami. And, you know, and really BC had a chance to, to go two and two in those games. Um, if they close them out, um, you know, there's an epic collapse in the Pittsburgh game. And obviously, you know, BC had a chance to win it in Miami. Um, so I, I think you're selling Christian short a little bit. Um, and then the, to your point, Dan, I think about Georgia tech, um, you know, this is a team that BC went, um, went 0-3 against last year um, with arguably a, a, a more talented team than they have this year. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's debatable whether you think, you know, Ryan Anderson plus Joe Rahan is 
um, better than guys like Dimitri Batten and, and Aaron Brown. But, you know, the fact is, you know, BC was in a bunch of close games with, with Georgia Tech last year, um, lost all three, uh, including an overtime game in the ACC tournament. You know, you flip it this year, um, they're in close games again with Georgia Tech, um, but they win both, um, including one on the road, which um, I think that's, you know, a sign of improvement when you're looking at these teams at the bottom of the, the ACC. And, you know, I think the other part of it is Brian Gregory is probably not long for Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem to be getting the most out of his players and, and probably his seat's going to get a little toasty uh, after this season. But um, I do think you're selling Christian short a little bit, you know, in the, in the sense that the schedule is a little more harder in conference play. Um, so taking, you know, four wins, this year versus four wins last year, I, I don't think that's an even uh, even comparison uh, when it comes to you know getting getting the the most or getting your the best effort from your opponent. Um, you know, even if you're getting your best getting the best from your opponent in two thirds of the games, you know, BC had a had a much more difficult schedule than um, a lot of other teams in the conference. I think they were third in strength of schedule in the ACC, um, and they also don't get the benefit of playing BC twice or. Uh, you know, some of these other teams at the bottom of the uh, the conference standings. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't get the chance to beat themselves. That's a, that's a good point. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think we just we, – Did we lose them? Did we lose – Jeff, you there or did we lose you? I think we might have lost it. See – like I said, I'm blaming everything on the blog talk thing. Yeah, he, Jeff, Jeff dropped off. We'll get him back. Now, normally I can blame the uh, I can blame the, the the software, but Brian, I might go I might go ahead and just blame the fact that he lives in, in South Carolina. Yeah, we're we're really spanning the globe here with our with our Boston. I I know this is I know this is this is impressive. We got him back though, so Jeff, I, I blamed it on South Carolina. That's my that's okay, my that's, blaming it. I'm, I'm blaming it on that. That's fine. Just, just a point of clarity. I do live in North Carolina now, so I'm a little bit closer to the ACC tournament and uh, and everything. So, um, but I, I was listening to you know a local radio uh, sports talk radio show this morning, which obviously, um, you know, if, if they lean towards one team, it's definitely towards NC State. Um, the show I was listening to, um, but they were talking about the four teams that were playing today. Uh, you know, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and Boston College. And basically, hey, they none of them had a great year, but three of them have brand-new coaches. You know, it's just which team do you think has the best – will be the best going forward? Um, who, who do you think is set up to be good and, like, a real factor in the ACC in the future? And everybody said Georgia Tech is the furthest from being a factor right now. Um, like Brian said, you know, their coach is probably about to be fired. Um, but then the debate was between Wake Forest and Virginia Tech. Um, so to be picked third in that context of, hey, you're, you're being talked against the th- four worst teams in the ACC this year, and who do they feel has the best coach and the best uh, setup of the program to be good going forward? You know, talking a couple of years from now, once the current coach gets all their recruits in and everything like that, and to be picked third out of that group, um, if if they know anything about basketball, which they certainly know some things, um, and and they're right, then that's not that's not very good company. Um, and I, I don't know. I'll let you guys uh, kind of comment on that a little bit. 
Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I, I definitely uh, – that's a tough one. I think, you know, part of it is, um, you know, proximity to uh, to those guys. So if that's a, you know, North Carolina radio station, obviously they're going to see, you know, teams like Virginia Tech and Wake Forest uh, more than they're going to be watching BC. I just think, you know, based on sheer proximity. Um, but I don't know if I agree with that because, you know, Wake Forest is a team um, – Definitely more talented than BC at this point in time. I think they have some nice pieces with Cody Miller, McIntyre, Devin Thomas. You know, th- that's a good team as as presently constructed. Um, and Jeff Bezelik didn't didn't necessarily leave the cupboard completely bare for for Danny Manning. Um, and that's a team that's just flat out quit. Um, you know, down the stretch. You know, they, they they wanted no part of being at BC in the in the regular season finale and. Um, you know, on talent alone, the the opening round game against Virginia Tech, that's a game that they should be winning uh, fairly easily. Um, so I think the fact that, you know, the Hokies bounce them um, in the first round um, is a, um, you know, a feather in the cap for, for, um, for Buzz. Buzz, um, Buzz Williams. Yeah, Buzz Williams. And, and you also have to question, like, you know, I know Wake's, recruiting well and they're probably recruiting a little bit better than BC and, and Virginia Tech at this point but you know Manning's not getting the most out of his players right now and uh, they seemingly kind of quit on this season so um, I don't know if that's a, a, a sign of you know more troubled waters to come or if that's just kind of a one-year blip based on a team that that Manning inherited but um, you know BC could have could have easily been in that spot um, where the, the guys like Hanlon are just kind of giving up on the season and um, the opposite's been true. Um, Virginia Tech's interesting. You know, they're playing well. Uh, there's not a lot of talent there. Um, this year, they're they're kind of built around the three ball, similar to, like, Donahue's teams. Um, and they put some scares into some good teams. You know, they lost by one point, I think, to Virginia, took, took Duke to overtime. Um, and, you know, the wins weren't there. You know, they beat Pittsburgh in overtime. Um, and I can't remember. I think they might have beat Wake or, or Georgia Tech, one of the two, for the other win uh, during the regular season. But um, I don't know. I th- I'm, I'm encouraged by what I've seen from, from Christian this year, and I would put BC up against, you know, any of those programs this year. You know, obviously, BC went um, 3-0 and against that, that group of, uh, unfortunately, peer schools right now, um, you know, the bottom tier of the ACC. They went 3-0 and this year. Um, with, uh, you know, two road wins and a neutral site win. Um, and um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm encouraged by, obviously, I, I wear maroon and gold-colored shades, but I'm encouraged by what I've seen from Christian. And, you know, I don't, I don't have any doubt in my mind that, you know, he can, he can get this program uh, to be better than those other three, um, you know, in, in pretty short order, um, assuming that, you know, the, the recruiting – um, gets a gets a boost and and you know he continues to do well on the recruiting trail. Well, let me let me bring up some points. Um, you know, Jim Christian went is five and fourteen in ACC play right now with Olivier Hanlon, who is first team All ACC. Olivier Hanlon might be around for one more year. He might be gone after this season. We don't know, but it's, that, that's going to be tough to replace. Um, meanwhile, Buzz Williams, certainly, he's got a lot of Virginia Tech's production comes from current freshmen. So 
So for people to be a little bit higher on Virginia Tech, I can certainly understand that. Um, also, Buzz Williams is a little bit more proven of a coach. For people to be a little bit higher on Danny Manning and Wake Forest, Wake Forest has is a better basketball program than Boston College is historically. So you might kind of lean a little bit that way because of the program. And then, again, Danny Manning has a little bit better track record as a head coach than Jim Christian did before he got to Boston College. So, um, you know, f- f- 5 and 14 right now, I-, I would love for Jim Christian to be super successful with with BC um, for-, for years and years to come. But you're, nothing you say right now is going to convince me that, yes, he is the guy. N- nothing you say convinced me that he isn't the guy either. But, you know, let's just let's just enjoy what it is right now. Hopefully we get another win in the ACC tournament tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely – I think the jury's still out on Christian. Um you know, I, I, I might push back a little bit to say that, you know, Christian's probably a more accomplished head coach, you know, having having a lot of success at two different max stops than, than Manning. My understanding is Manning's only been a coach for a couple of years at Tulsa. Um, but, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I, I hate comparing BC to these programs because, um, you know, I definitely think the ceiling is much higher than where, than where it's been um, the past couple of years, but you know, the, the results are undeniable, especially under Donahue. These these same four teams are playing each other, you know, every year in these bottom-tier bottom, bottom tier ACC tournament games. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, too, with the, the ceiling that any of these clubs have, you know, relative to the rest of the conference. Um, you know, certainly the conference has improved dramatically over the last couple of years uh, with the additions of Syracuse and Pittsburgh. You know, both of those programs are, are well, well above um, – you know, these bottom four teams. And I, I don't think that the sanctions will impact Syracuse quite as much as, you know, some people gut reactions are to those, um, to those sanctions that have been handed out, you know, last week. Um, you know, Maryland for Louisville, I think, is an upgrade um, to the detriment of these four teams. Um, and Notre Dame is playing really well. So after a one-year blip, you know, Mike Gray's got his team um, towards the top of the conference too. So, um you know, it's fun to debate which one of these four teams can rise above the rest, uh, kind of short and long term. Um, but I think, you know, lar- bigger picture, conference wide, um, you know, how, how much higher can these teams really go when you have a, you know, a, a top of the conference with Duke, North Carolina, Louisville, Syracuse, now Virginia, Notre Dame. Um, those are six really solid programs that um, presumably will continue to be at the top of the conference kind of going forward. So, you know, just how much upward mobility there is for these bottom four teams um, is, a, is an interesting question in and of itself. Yeah, I would hope going forward when we have somebody like Hamlin who's in their junior um, and senior years that you know, we are competing for maybe getting uh, – well, certainly getting a bye in the ACC tournament and hopefully uh, a double bye in the ACC tournament. You know, is there would at least be that chance that – uh, BC gets up to like a, a four seed or, or a three seed or something like that. Um, you know, uh, somebody's bringing up, um, you know, Maryland currently ranked in the top 10. Um, yeah. I mean, Maryland left the ACC after being, you know, pretty much a non-factor for the last couple of years and they might win the big 10 in their first year. And they, they, they have a great freshman there who, who never played an ACC game, but I mean, come on, the ACC is, 
is legitimate year in and year out, and especially now uh, with the addition of, of Louisville and, you know, Syracuse now for, for a couple of years. And, you know, a, a team like Pittsburgh is, is the 10th best team in the conference. So, um, the, 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 you can't you can't compare the ACC directly to any other conference with 15 teams right now. And um, I heard a stat earlier today that I think uh, ACC teams have spent 57 weeks in the AP top 10 so far this year. Um, you know, the, the next close, closest conference has 20. That's just that's that's crazy. The difference. Yeah, guys. Yeah, I, I, mean, I tend uh, to. I tend to agree with with a couple of points on there with um with within regards to the to the ACC is that the road up is that it's going to be harder for Jim Christian. Like there there's no doubt about it when you look at the conference top to bottom that building his team and building Boston College to a point where you can look at a team being a double buyer, you can be a team uh you know in that regard is it's it's next it's next to impossible to make the comparison to any other league, if only because you know you're, you're dealing with eleven or twelve teams that if you put them in other leagues would be would be good. I also uh, you know in regards to Maryland, I I look at Maryland and I I also see that the Big Ten is uh, top to bottom not nearly as strong a- as the ACC, which means that you take a team like Maryland, who maybe might be a middling. Maryland's not a bad uh, tradition in basketball. They've had success. Uh, they've had players. You know, they they have some type of tradition. Uh, so you look at you port them into the Big Ten, and you're putting them up against teams that you know. Nebraska is not particularly strong, uh, you know, historically in their division. I can't think they're in the, the tougher of the two divisions. So if you do well against your conference opponents, you're going to, you know, Nebraska, Penn State that I'm thinking of, Ohio State. These aren't teams that are exceptionally great. Rutgers, uh, Purdue, like they're they're decent, but they're not great. If you can beat them based off the reputation of the league or, or the way that people view them, I think there's going to be a little bit of bias, too, that probably puts Maryland up there. Brian, you can call me insane on this one if you want, but I think Maryland, as a two-seed in the top ten team, if you put them back in the ACC, they're maybe middle-of-the-pack tops. Uh, I think they're a little better than middle-of-the-pack, but you know, I'm having this conversation on the, the blog right now. You know, Maryland lost uh, to Virginia head-to-head in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Um, and I also don't think they're better than, you know, say Duke, Notre Dame, Louisville, and possibly North Carolina this year either. Um, so um, looking at the six through eight range, you know, as Jeff just mentioned, dealing with the Miami, the NC States, I think. Um, but, you know, I definitely look at Maryland as a program that's benefited tremendously from kind of exiting the league and playing in um, – you know, a, a little bit of a weaker Big Ten this year um, than we've come to expect over the last couple of years. But, you know, there's no doubt in my mind the ACC is completely stacked at the top this year with, you know, uh, definitely five and, and possibly six um, six or seven tournament teams. You know, five of those teams are ranked in the top 10 or 15 in the country. So, um, you know, definitely I think they wouldn't be as successful as they had been had they stayed um, and I also kind of feel like Louisville's um, an upgrade, you know, this year, but more importantly, longer term. So, you know, that, that certainly changes the dynamic of the ACC going forward. Um, 
And to Jeff's point about the, the tournament seedings, you know, obviously BC has been in that top half. Um, the tournament wasn't the same where you, you had double buys, but, you know, it's been done before where BC has gotten, you know, three, four, um, five seeds for the ACC tournament. Um, but I guess the, the, the question becomes, you know, the ACC has changed so much in that time where, you know, BC's, you know, the four seed in a, in a 12 team conference, uh, without, you know, with Maryland and without you know, Louisville, Syracuse, Pittsburgh, Notre Dame, those are some serious programs you're adding. So, you know, what, what really does the, the ceiling become, you know, what's the realistic output, uh, realistic expectation for BC, you know, in the ACC tournament, say, you know, two or three years from now. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Maryland has two wins against currently ranked teams, right? They beat Wisconsin at home and they beat uh, Iowa state. I think that was in, well, that was in some sort of, uh, you know, early early preseason tournament that they played in. Um, so, so Iowa State's definitely currently ranked, and Wisconsin's a very very legitimate win. And and that's it, right? Uh, double yeah, I mean, checking get, it right get, now, but I think so. You get two wins yeah. over Rutgers, two wins over – or one win over Northwestern, you know, two wins over Penn State um, – you know, the bottom half of the Big Ten is, is not not anything to write home about. I think, you know, maybe the five, you know bottom five or six teams um, are, are really every, every bit as bad, I think, this year as, you know, the teams that are playing today in the ACC tournament. You know, Michigan's having an awful year. Minnesota's not having a great year. Northwestern's, like, hovering around 500. Nebraska, Penn State, Rutgers, these are not good programs. Right. Um, so I, th- I think, you know, Maryland's record – um, was was kind of built on built on those kind of cupcakes in the Big Ten this year, and you know you replace all those games against the bottom six teams in the Big Ten with, you know they play um, if they had stayed they'd play Maryland twice in the crossover schedule they'd probably play you know one of the other North Carolina schools twice, um, you know they're they're and then they're going to play Syracuse Pittsburgh Notre Dame these are these are good programs and I think you know you'd definitely see you know, a 14 and four Maryland team in the big 10 be something closer to, um, I don't know, you know, 11 and seven in the ACC or, you know, maybe even 10 and eight. So um, I definitely think that they, they, they got out with, while the getting is good. And I think it's been a benefit to their basketball team this year. Yeah. I think, I think 10 and eight is a good estimate for, for Maryland. I mean, regardless of how the schedule sets up, they play, play at least, five currently ranked teams in conference play in the ACC versus they got one. They played one ranked team in conference in the Big Ten. So so two different worlds. Can, can I ask the question, um, you know, a lot of people talking about uh, Murray State, you know, lost in the final of their conference tournament and that should they get in that large bid? Who's favored tomorrow if they play on a neutral court, Boston College or Murray State? Well, I mean, BC is not going to be making the tournament unless they win this ACC tournament. So, you know, obviously, no, Murray State the mythical world more that happened. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, Murray State's the better program right now. Um, but with the way BC's playing, you know, maybe maybe they get a shot. Um, I'm just looking at the Ken Palm numbers. Murray State's 77th right now. Um, Boston College is 108. Um, so not ter- too terribly far apart, but. You know, you definitely feel for a team like Murray State and uh, just kind of the, the vagaries of, you know, single elimination conference tournaments. Um, 
you know, if they if they're not dancing, they're obviously in the NIT. But um, you know, after putting together the season that they did to lose one game in the conference tournament um, and then have it completely ruin your season is is pretty unfortunate. I, I don't feel for Murray State at all. They knew that they had to win that game to get in the NCAA tournament. They lost it. It was an elimination <laughs> game. They got eliminated. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here with a couple stats uh, before because my one of well, I can't really talk. My best friend went to Fairfield, and they're an unmitigated disaster right now of a program. So watching watching the uh, the MAC games and, and watching all those games, I love that the that the conference tournament means something. But it would be nice if a team could, uh, if those teams, if they if they play well enough, they de- they deserve to get in. That that's always been my hot take. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there for you. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do a comparison take just to close the book on the Maryland argument or or to 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 ra- ratchet it up a little bit more. I'm looking at non-conference schedules comparing Maryland to Miami because we said that they'd be in the six to eight range. Maryland opened up the season by playing Wagner, Central Connecticut, Fordham, and they hosted the cur- the curtain of distraction from Arizona State. They did play Iowa. You mentioned the Iowa State game. Um, but, you know, they played Monmouth, they played BMI, they played Winthrop, they played North Carolina Central. None of these really jump off the page. If you're, I understand that some of these teams are pretty good and have been tournament teams. Like, I know uh, USC Upstate hung in by 10, but USC Upstate, I think, went to their uh, their conference final game. But if you're in the Big Ten or you're in the ACC, you should shatter these teams. Then you look at Miami's out-of-conference schedule. They beat Florida when Florida, at the beginning of the season, was still number eight. I know Florida turned out not to be pretty good, but you look at the beginning of the season, I think you'd take Florida in that game. They they played Providence. They lost to Providence. Providence, the Big East is a good conference. I wouldn't say elite, but Providence is, an, is definitely going to the tournament. You know, you look at some of the teams. They beat Illinois, who's in that, uh, who's in that, uh, the 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 Big Ten. You know, you you look at some of the games that they played, and you look at some of the teams that they played, and I think that is sometimes a better indicator. And the one thing that I, if I'm Boston College, and I, and to bring it back kind of to the home ground, is that you want to build up to the point where your non-conference schedule, you're playing those teams. And maybe you're looking at a Maryland-type schedule where you can go out and just slaughter a bunch of bad teams. I think if you can get to that point, you can consider yourself, even if you don't finish fifth or sixth in the league, if you could just go out and win every single one of your non-conference games, you're going to be in a much better position because, quite honestly, they're not doing that right now. They're losing to Dayton. They're losing to West Virginia, who's, who's... not a great program. They're losing to UMass. They're losing to USC. I know that those are big names, but if you, it, 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 I just would feel a lot better about BC if they would turn in a twenty a twenty win season or a nineteen win season by running through the non conference schedule. Okay, let me jump in here, new guy. Um, Go for so it. I Rip me apart. I completely disagree with this point. I think um, so. The the hard thing with a program like BC is there's there's the non conference schedule is a little bit more inflexible than it would be for for other programs. So um, obviously you have in most years when the ACC and the Big Ten aren't taking us over, um, you know you have BC in the in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, right? So you can't control that. You can't really control the opponent. Um, and more years than that, hopefully it's a, a decent opponent, not you know a Northwestern or a um, or a Rutgers or whatever. Um, so then you have, you know, a non-exempt or an exempt, uh, holiday tournament, um, can't really control which, uh, you know, teams you play there. Um, 
And then the other thing about BC is that they have some uh, local rivals that they want to continue to play um, who are actually pretty good, right? So, you know, Harvard's been on the tear, tear last six, seven years, um, and alumni seem to, um, you know, want to want that game over some other games like Rhode Island and, and Holy Cross. Um, so you're going to play Harvard every year. You're going to play UMass every year. Um, uh, in the last couple of years, it's been at the Garden. Hopefully they move that game back to campuses, but that's a story for another day, right? So, you know, after, after – and you're going to play Providence. Um, so that's, uh, you know, BC's longest standing series. Um, by far, it survived uh, the move from the Big East to the ACC. Um, so you're going to play Providence, who's, who's been pretty good under, under um, Cooley the last couple of years. Um, so that doesn't leave many, many, much room for, you know, kind of watering down that schedule. So you got, you know, three or four holiday tournament games. You got the ACC Big Ten Challenge. You got Harvard, Providence, UMass. That's only leaving you, you know, may, at most maybe six slots to, to kind of schedule these, you know, bad American East teams that they played this year, the, the Lowell's and the UNH's and the Vermont's and the Binghamton's. Um, so it's really hard to water down the schedule when you when you kind of weigh all these things, um, particularly the, the tournaments, the ACC Big Ten challenges, and, and playing existing rivals. Um, you know that's not necessarily the case at every ACC school. I think I think programs like Virginia Tech, um, Miami, they've they've kind of notoriously done this where they've watered down the, the non-conference schedule and scheduled you know uh, you know 10, 11, 12 wins in non-conference. Um, so you know, BC doesn't really have that flexibility that that other programs might might have. Um, but then I also I think you have to question like whether you want to do this, right? So you look at a program like TCU, um, who plays in a in a really tough conference, the Big Big Twelve. Um, they scheduled something like um, twelve or thirteen straight wins. They were thirteen and zero at at one point, I think, over the new year. Um, they're ranked in the top 25, and then they hit Big 12 play, and I think they finished the same as BC, 4-14. Four, four um, so, you know, did watering down that schedule really help a program like TCU? You know, obviously the wins at the beginning of the season are nice, but, you know, at the end of the day, if you're still going to go 4-14 four and 14 in the ACC or, you know, in a major conference, you're not going to a, a postseason tournament. So, you know, what was really the point? Um, and I think you also have to look at a school like Notre Dame, who, um, you know, has been whining about not getting a good seed in the, in the NCAA tournament. Well, their non-conference, you know, schedule, strength of schedule is complete shit. They played, you know, absolutely no one in, in non-conference except for Michigan State um, and, and Providence, which they lost to. Um, and now they're, they're suffering the consequences of that. So if you can get BC to the point where they're in, this, in discussion for the tournament, I don't necessarily think you want to, to water down that schedule um, to such a point where you're you're kind of stacking the wins at the at the expense of strength of schedule. All right, I'm sold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll go with that. that. That works for me. That's my that's my scheduling diatribe. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, you 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 make you make some great points about you know do I want to see Providence drop off the schedule? No, Harvard, no, UMass, no. So, so that's three right there. Hopefully we get back into the ACC Big Ten. That's four plus at least three from uh, some sort of holiday tournament. You know, that, that's seven games right there. So, yeah, great great analysis. Yeah, I feel like Jeff yeah, just pulled the, the Rage and Cajun on us. It was like, James Carville, I have, no, I have nothing to respond to that. 
<laughs> and, and it's, it's hard too because you know you want to you want to see BC play um, some you know named programs you know hopefully a little bit better than USC, and then hopefully you want them to actually win those games. Um, I think USC is up there for most disappointing loss of the season, maybe between UMass and and USC. Um, but you know I think that um, they're they're going to run into the same problems that that football is running into and that everyone wants home games for non-conference games. You know, all these power conference teams want to maximize the number of non-conference home games they have so that they can, you know, pad the bottom line in one of their two revenue sports. Um, so that's why it becomes harder for you know, BC and UMass to, to kind of give up a home game and play on a campus. So they decide on, you know, playing at the garden instead for the, the good for new England triple header, um, and, you know, unless BC has a longstanding rivalry with, with a Harvard or with a Providence, um, I don't think you're going to see these kind of marquee non-conference, um, you know, home and homes like you, like you have in the past. Um, you know, what's the last marquee non-conference opponent that's come to Conti Forum? I can't even remember. Maybe Kansas when, you know, right after I graduated. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. Jeff, can you think of any of that? I know we hosted Iowa State when I was in school, um, and Iowa State was still pretty good. Maybe maybe not as good as they used to be. Or yeah, when, when, when you were right. when you and I were in school, we also hosted uh, Duke in an out of conference game because we were not in the ACC then. But right. uh, but I, I think I think you might be right where Kansas is kind of the last big big name because Kansas came after the Duke game. So if, if Kansas wants to come again, I say I say let's let's sign them. But if if you're only going to get the Iowa States, those kind of those those second tier programs, or I don't even know if Iowa State's a second tier program. Are they a third tier program? Probably. Um, they're 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 second tier this year, but they're not a second tier program. Um, but if you get some of those first tier programs, if if Kentucky wants to come to Boston College, you know, if, if we say no to that, we're we're crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but. I, I mean, obviously, I'd love to, for Kansas or Kentucky or you know whoever to to come to to BC County Forum. I just I just think you know same with football. It's becoming tougher and tougher to to ink these home and homes with with programs that you know have have no no interest in you know playing in an eight thousand seat stadium and in a you know in a recruiting area that you know means nothing to them. Um, yeah, but th- think about it. Why did we play USC in basketball? We played USC in basketball because we also we tied that in with a football deal. You know how are we going to get Kansas to come uh, back and play basketball against us? We, we, you know, Kansas might be interested in playing Boston College in football. So, so you, you got to combine those deals because very few of the top tier um, basketball programs are also top tier football programs. You know, K- Kentucky football, Kansas football. Uh, Duke football, you know, it, that, that, that means nothing. Then you talk, say, Kentucky basketball, Kansas basketball, uh, Duke basketball, then now you're talking. So, so we might have to get creative and, and tie some of those things together in order to get these programs there. But I, th- I think, think we've beaten uh, scheduling to death. I think, uh, you know, Brian, you ma- made some great points there. Let's, uh, are we ready to move on, Dan? <laughs> I think I think so. I actually had just I was just thinking to myself that uh, we always scheduling is like the is the we can always fall back on that for a conversation. That is the uh, that is one of my that is one of the things that everybody has an opinion on. 
and uh, everybody can disagree with that opinion. So let's dial it back a notch. Let's dial it back to tomorrow. 2 p.m. start, 2 p.m. tip-off. I'll even go with the uh, with the full Gus Johnson, uh, Gus Gasm, if you will. Rise and fire, because North Carolina, the number 19 team in the nation, the uh, the five seed in the ACC tournament, takes on Boston College in the second round. Uh, the first uh, UNC, one of a couple teams getting the uh, – one of the a couple teams getting the the first of the buys, not the double buys. Boston College will take on UNC. They played once this year. UNC defeated them, but I think that was bet that was not. If I'm not mistaken, guys, that was at um, that was down there, right? No, that was at BC. That was up here. I cu- I couldn't remember. And uh, you know, you, when you look at the when you look at this team, when you look at this North Carolina team, there's a couple things that are going to jump off the table. Number one. They're young, like they are. They are not a. Uh, they're not an older. They're not an aged uh, basketball team. But in college basketball, that's sometimes a sign that your team is very talented. Uh, they're going to bring a lot to the table. They have two big guys who can uh, handle the paint and handle the scoring pretty well. They've got a junior in, in the form of Bryce Johnson, a sophomore in the form of Kennedy Meeks, and uh, worst case scenario, you can always drop back and, and dump it off to their guard, Marcus Page. Who uh, who is a guy who's averaging a whole lot of points this year? This is going to be a tough matchup for the Eagles, no matter how you try to slice it. Yeah. So uh, one thing on that, Dan. So I I don't think Kennedy Meeks is going to go tomorrow, uh, which is definitely a benefit to BC. Um, and the thing about the last meeting with these two teams, um, BC played North Carolina pretty good. So I mean, I know the game was at the height, um, but you know, BC and North Carolina were tied at half. Uh, 36 up. Uh, Hanlon eventually scores 30. Um, but, you know, as as was the case in, in a lot of these ACC games, you know, BC kind of ran out of steam um, at the 10 or 12-minute mark um, of the second half. Um, and their bigs really had, had their way with BC. So um, I think one of the, the keys to tomorrow is can you get something out of Dennis Clifford? Can you get something out of, um, you know, Odeo, John King Carney, um, some of these bigger guys um, on defense, particularly because if not, um, I thought I thought Georgia Tech should have fed the ball to you know the, their three bigs and they would have won by 15 instead of you know falling in love with the three pointer and, and only hitting three of 15 for a um, uh, what's what's actually a very bad three point shooting team. Um, so I think post play is going to be really important, particularly on defense. Um, uh, and I don't know what's happened to McGarity. I, I know he's had concussion-like symptoms, but he's had that for, for weeks now. I don't know if he's shelled for the rest of the, the season or what, but um, it would sure be nice to have him tomorrow for, for some of that inside presence. Yeah, I don't know if we can count on McGarity uh, playing tomorrow since he didn't play at all today. I know when he first got the concussion, he sat out the next three games, and he played you know limited minutes uh, a couple games after that, and then and we haven't really seen him much since. So I, I, I would count it would be very nice if, uh, if he could because um, certainly any any sort of size would help. One thing you can count on happening tomorrow is the North Carolina Bigs that, that got theirs last time, they're going to get theirs again. You know, so Bryce Johnson and Isaiah Hicks uh, both scored over 20 points each. Um, Hicks going seven for ten from the field and adding another seven points from the free throw line. Uh, Bryce Johnson going nine for fourteen, so they're going to they're going to get their points and they're going to shoot a pretty good percentage because there is not much that we can do to slow them down. Um, 
the big question will be what's going to happen with Marcus Page. Uh, he got 13 uh, against the Eagles last time, and I forget exactly how long his streak was, um, but he was working on a North Carolina or you know had eyes on an ACC record of consecutive games with two made three-pointers, and that streak ended the last time um, uh, they played BC when he went one for five from beyond the arc. And one for five is what the entire team went. They only took three, three, or sorry, five three pointers against Boston College, and they're going to use the exact same formula tomorrow. Marcus Page is allowed to shoot from beyond the arc, and everybody else, you better be shooting from uh, inside the paint or real close to it, because that's that's how you're going to beat BC. And they're, you know, they're certainly a well-coached team. They're certainly talented, but they're not that great this year. Um, since they beat BC, they have three wins in conference. That's the same that BC <laughs> had uh, going into uh, their game against Georgia Tech today. Now you can compare schedules and, uh, and and make some arguments there that, you know, BC picked up two of the wins over Wake Forest and Virginia Tech. But still, you know, they're not, they're not a great North Carolina team, and they're certainly not playing their best basketball now. You know, they're a lot closer to playing their worst basketball now of the season than they are to playing their best basketball. Um, then, you know, the, the last factor is going to be the crowd. Um, you know, the early session tomorrow, uh, the first game's Florida State Clemson. There's going to be approximately 10 Florida State fans there. Uh, maybe, maybe one, 2,000, 3,000 Clemson fans. And then there's going to be, you know, about 10 BC fans and the rest is going to be North Carolina. So, uh, out of, out of twenty thousand seat arena or whatever uh, Greensboro Coliseum holds, it's going to be, you know, eighty five uh, percent is going to be Carolina Blues. So it, it's 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 not a neutral site game tomorrow. It's definitely a road game for BC. So how, how are they going to fare? Um, we're we're going to have to wait and see. But the the first game showed us that they're definitely capable of of hanging with UNC, uh, as Brian said, um, tied at halftime. Uh, Patrick Heckman, you know, kind of one of the heroes from today. He went three for ten from the field in the first game, um, one for four from three three point land uh, for for seven points. You know, if he can get uh, fifteen points tomorrow, that's going to be a, a big difference. Um, and we did only play eight players the last time we played them. The same eight that played today. So uh, it'll it'll be a very similar look Eagles, and I don't know if it'll be the exact same look uh, UNC team, because if anything, they're probably not playing quite as well as they were back in the beginning of February when they last met. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, that's your favorite stat, Jeff, is that, you know, since these two teams met on February 7th, you know, BC has four ACC wins. North Carolina only has three. Um, two of those wins were complete demolitions of Georgia tech. So the only other win they have is a, a nine point win um, at Miami over that span. Um, you know, obviously they lost to Duke twice down the stretch, um, kind of pushed them, pushed the Blue Devils in both those games. Um, but you look at a game like NC State, they're at home against NC State. Um, they lose by 12. You know, BC's at home at NC State. Um, they win by 16. So, uh, you know, North Carolina is certainly not playing their best basketball. Um, but I also agree with your point that they're obviously much more talented than BC and um, they can just cycle in these forwards that um, are going to get their points. Um, you know, so last time 
it was a guy like Isaiah Hicks who kind of comes out of nowhere and, and um, kind of manhandles BC's interior defense um, towards, you know, in the second half of that game. Um, so, you know, they're obviously going to, the bigs are, the big guys on, on Carolina are definitely going to get their points. The crowd's going to be obviously heavily um, pro North Carolina. Um, so, you know, certainly not a, not an easy task for BC. It's, it's kind of a matchup nightmare for the Eagles. Um, when you consider, you know, BC's only rolling eight deep and really going as far as their starting five will take them. Um, but who knows? That's why we play the games. Uh, BC's playing probably their best basketball this, you know, today, uh, withstanding um, probably their b- best basketball this season down the stretch. Um, and, you know, if I'm a betting man, I'm guessing that, you know, North Carolina's strength is kind of with their forwards. Um, so I'm, I'm, betting that, you know, if this is Olivier Hanlon's last game, I'm sure he's going to go out in a blaze of glory and, you know, put up a ton of points and, and kind of take the game over in the second half, particularly if BC's down. So um, that'll be another storyline to watch is, you know, how does how does Hanlon play down the stretch and, and what could very well be his, his last game uh, in a BC uniform. Yeah, I mean, well, while you're mentioning my favorite stats, uh, the other one right now is, you know, BC has the second longest – winning streak in the ACC is now now at four games that's only behind behind Duke and we don't have to worry about meeting them until the final so we, we could be in good shape <laughs> uh, stranger things have happened but if BC gets to the finals I, I don't know what I would do <laughs> you got, what would you do if BC gets to the finals I would get obliterated drunk I think that's the only thing I can do. I think, I think, uh, and now here's the thing, the the finals, what the finals on the, the finals, this, I know it's this weekend, but Saturday I got to work. Yeah. It's Saturday, Saturday night, prime time. Yeah. And I got to work Saturday night overnight into Sunday. I will get, I tell you what, if BC's in the final, I will show up for my overnight shift at work reeking of the most of the finest Johnny Walker I can get my hands on. <laughs> uh, well, guys, we, we, we look – no, it's not. <laughs> no, it is not. Uh, Although, let's, if they if they knock off Louisville on the way, I would just cry tears of happiness because I hate – I hate that piece of shit, Rick Pitino. I'm sorry. I know I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> uh, he killed the I, Celtics. I, okay, I no, but, but seriously, if BC does get to Louisville, you know, Louisville is definitely not as strong a team as when BC last, last faced them. And – um, yeah, they'll be uh, BC's third game in three days. That that's what BC has working against them. But otherwise, I, for whatever reason, I think we might match up kind of w- well against Louisville. And if we were rested, I would feel real good about our chances. Yeah, I mean, Chris Jones scored what twenty eight points against BC in our only meeting this year. So obviously, he's not on the team anymore. Um, you know, Louisville is coming off an upset win over over Virginia. I think that was at. At Louisville, still, it's a good team to knock off, uh, kind of going into the ACC tournament. Um, but I mean, who knows? I did want to, I did want to, I did want you guys to humor me and and get to the Louisville matchup. Obviously, not a great matchup for BC, but you know, if they're getting there, obviously they're playing with house money now. But if they can get to Louisville and um, the quarterfinals, that would be something. And you know, who knows what what where Louisville is at right now with without having Chris Jones being playing in their first ACC tournament. Um, I don't know. 
you know, Hamlin scores 55 points. I don't, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Well, my, my thing with Louisville is that anytime you start talking, if, if God forbid BC ever beats North Carolina, that would just be fantastic. And, in and of itself, but if, you know, because I don't know what I would do in that scenario, but if they end up playing Louisville, you know, I, I look at the, I look at North Carolina's bigs and then I look at Montrezl Harrell and uh, automatically I, I, I don't want to even think about what in a big game Montrezl Harrell would do to the BC front court. We're not exactly talking about the front court with BC, like it's a strength under any circumstances. And that's, and I know we, we, you talk about Clifford, you talk, I mean, we can talk that until we're blue in the face, but Montrezl Harrell is going to do horrible things to whoever he plays, let alone if it ends up being Boston College. Yeah, but you can kind of, let's get all the uh, forwards, all the big men in the ACC together, and let's say, hey, you know, when do you think you had your best game this year? And 80% of them are going to say, Oh, uh, that game at Boston College, or that game against yep. Boston College. You know that and that's just that's just every day. So the, the good thing is, we know tomorrow we know that two North Carolina big men are going to score twenty points. Okay, so there, North Carolina has forty points. We haven't even tipped off yet. So BC, you have to beat this team knowing that that's going to happen. And the great thing is that we actually have a chance. I don't know why I'm saying we. I'm not part of the team, but Boston College actually has a chance. <laughs> spotting North Carolina 40 points because they've spotted these teams points inside for years now. Certainly the whole time Hanlon's been there and yet find a way to win some games sometimes. Can I make the, can I make the joke about Louisville not getting spotted, but rather extorting 40 points from BC? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I had to go there. I absolutely had to. There is no way if BC wins tomorrow and we do another one of these shows, I might just do the show completely hammered. Like I know I'm going to get in trouble as it is, so I might as well go out in my own blaze of glory and have all the Louisville fans just listen to me just destroy Rick Pitino for an hour and a half because I could easily do that. I can't. I it, the man ruined the man ruined the professional team for me 20 years ago, and I realize that I'm being a crybaby about it, but whatever. You know, I uh, I say it this way about about this game tomorrow. You, it's an interesting thing that you bring up the 40 points that they'll spot the big men, or that you know they they have to be able to go out and win the game knowing that they're going to get dominated in the paint. When you go back down the other end, you have to think about Boston College being able to to get any type of production whatsoever out of the middle. And that's over and above what you would expect. Because right now, everybody knows it's going through Heckman and Hanlon. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the guards, so, you know, Brown and Batten are probably playing their last collegiate game tomorrow. You need great, as we mentioned before, you're going to need, you know, great performances out of both those guys. You're going to need good Heckman, not bad Heckman to show up. Um, and you're going to need to keep, you know, Clifford out of foul trouble so that, you know, he can – serve as the only big body that we have, um, serviceable big body on defense. Uh, you know, they're going to have to play a great game, and I don't know. I'm not as optimistic as maybe Jeff is about this, but, you know, I do think they have a shot at knocking them off. You know, what do they have to lose? Um, it's probably going to be Hanlon's last game, as, uh, last college game. So, um, you know, these guys are going to be loose. I think that's been a hallmark of this winning streak is, you know, they're playing loose, they're having fun, um, you know, and, you know, it's just, 
it's great to see because um, that nine-game losing streak in the middle of the season uh, probably wore on fans more than it wore on the team. Um, so to, to be able to bounce back from that and kind of put this mini run um, together towards the end of the season, I think, um, you know, is obviously a credit to the players, but it's just it's, it's fun to watch and it's rewarding to see, um, you know, from a, from, a, from a fan perspective, it's just kind of, you know, having fun again watching BC basketball, um, you know, for all of the discussions we've had about, you know, which one of these teams, which one of these bottom four teams is the best and which one's going to be the best going forward. Um, you know, the, the dirty secret was we had two games a day and both were like pretty entertaining. Like they were both one point games. They were kind of one in the same way where, you know, Hanlon uh, hits a, hits a jumper step-back jumper. Virginia Tech scored a, a bucket with almost the identical amount of seconds left in the game. Um, and, you know, Wake couldn't couldn't uh, score the game winner with, with the seconds uh, ending up. So, you know, it's been a fun ride and, um, you know, definitely no expectations for tomorrow, but just hope, hopeful that it's an exciting game and, you know, these guys don't get blown out tomorrow by a, a well-rested and, um uh, North Carolina team playing in Greensboro and North Carolina to a to a pro UNC crowd. Yeah, and we you know we we said hey we're going to spot the North Carolina Bigs forty points. You know, meanwhile they're they're talking tonight and they're saying you know Olivier Hanlon is going to get pick a number twenty five <laughs> thirty whatever. You know he he's going to get his and they're talking about you know what they're going to what's the rest of the team going to do in order in order to beat them and then the other. The other advantage we'll have is all the pressures on North Carolina. You know, there is so much more media coverage and so much more noise around the North Carolina basketball program than there is around Boston College basketball. So they know that they've only won, uh, that they haven't been very good in the second half of ACC play. You know, the fans aren't happy that they lost two games to Duke this year, that they had kind of a chance of winning uh, both of them. Um if if BC gets out at any point during the game tomorrow and gets a seven point lead, eight point lead, ten point lead, you know there's there's going to be uh, a lot of heavy air that those North Carolina players are going to feel um, in that building, and the, the pressure is all on them because BC does have nothing to lose, and we've seen that um, come into play whether we're watching a conference tournament or whether we're watching an NCAA tournament in the past where, you know, the, the better team doesn't always win. And um, all the pressures on North Carolina tomorrow and none of the pressures on BC and that, that could really play a factor. Yeah. And you mentioned it earlier. I, uh, I'm going to throw a little shade at, at North Carolina. You know, this is not one of Roy Williams best North Carolina teams. And um, frankly, I'm, I'm, surprised that they're still ranked in the top 25 given, you know, for no other reason than, you know, they're Carolina. So of course they're still ranked. Um, but, you know, they're four and six in the last 10. Um, and I know all the caveats about the schedule, you know, there's two Duke losses in there, a loss to Louisville, a loss to Virginia. Um, but they got blitzed by Pitt. They got, um, you know, blitzed by NC state um, at home. Um, so, you know, this team is not playing, you know, since the calendar turned to February, this this has not been a very good uh, Carolina team by Carolina standards. Um, so obviously, toot their horn a little bit. Um, but you know, I I don't know. I you know, BC has a chance. There there there's no pressure on BC. Um, 
you know, in this game tomorrow. And I think, you know, probably the biggest fatigue factor, you know, BC is not that deep. Um, they're probably only going to play five to eight players tomorrow. Um, and Carolina has about five to eight forward and kind of, you know, have their way with, them. you know, certainly an uphill battle, but excited to kind of watch these guys and, and hopefully it's not the last game that we'll see some guys like Hexen and um, and Hanlon uh, suiting up. Well, guys, I'll, I'll give you this. I got a text message from one of my friends who's listening in, and he says, I'm allergic to eggs. I have no outside hook shot, and I have a $3 haircut. So I said, you could probably start it forward for BC. And he said, wouldn't that mean I would get minutes over God's gift to the hard word, Eddie Odeo? <laughs> uh uh, that that's a good segue, actually. So Jeff, uh, we had a we had a, a Twitter spat the other day about the regression of Eddie Odio and why he's just not the same player he was uh, towards the end of his sophomore year. And what what has happened to Eddie Odio this year? Yeah, I, I certainly don't have an answer uh, for that, but we have seen spurts of Eddie Odio um, being a little bit of a factor. And he's he's one of those, um, you know, we talked about every time a team pulls an upset, there's always one of the non-big-name players that has a great game. So, in order for us to win tomorrow, um, you know, maybe Odeo's the guy that needs to step up off the bench and grab uh, six rebounds and um, maybe a couple of those being offensive rebounds and maybe knock down one or two threes like he's been known to do on occasion um, but not any on any kind of regular basis in the past. Um, I, yeah. I don't I don't want to I don't want to get down that rabbit hole of uh, of how how relatively good Eddie Odio looked um, <laughs> at the end of his sophomore year compared to now his senior year. It's it's unfortunate. I mean, he's definitely wherever he was at the end of his sophomore year definitely regressed to this point and um, looks a little lost in the offense. I guess maybe his junior year, you know, Donio tried to transform them more into kind of like these like seven foot wing guys like McGarity who can kind of stroke the three and hang out around the perimeter. Um, but that's not what BC needs. You know, BC needs Odeo to be um, a bit more of a, a presence in the post and, and kind of be a factor on the defensive end, you know, in blocking shots and, and often on the offensive end, you know, putting down dunks and, and alley-oops and whatever. Um, cause now it seems like he's only good for, you know, a block and a, uh, a dunk a game, but, uh, it's unfortunate. He looks a little lost in the offense that, that Christian's trying to run. I think based out of necessity, this, you know, kind of high ball screen weave that they do, um, where, you know, Odeo is, is very reticent to, um, even put the ball down on the floor. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, and, and, I think and that's it, what it is in Christian's offense his ball handling skills kind of, kind of limit him um, where in Donahue's offense, uh, you know, he, he could get to some spots and, uh, and then get some weak side rebounds that, that just aren't, aren't necessarily available now. Yeah. So I'm definitely hoping he'll be a bit more of a factor. Um, you know, him and him and a guy like Dragosevich kind of, been a big disappearing act this year. Um, I don't think drag even made, made the court today. Um, you know, but that's going to be a big factor tomorrow. If these guys can kind of contribute and, 
pull down some rebounds and, and be a factor on the defensive end, particularly if, you know, Clifford gets in foul trouble early. Yeah. That, yeah. What will happen if Cliff, Clifford gets in foul trouble early, which um, I believe last time we played in North Carolina, he only had three personal fouls. So hopefully he can uh, do something similar again tomorrow, because if he, if he starts picking them up early, geez, I don't I don't know what they're going to do. I really don't. Um, okay. So let's, let's just say, Okay, let's fast forward to this time tomorrow. BC has won. BC has beaten North Carolina. Um, what does the stat line look like? How many points does Aaron Brown have? Go. Yeah, so I think you got you got to expect all five uh, starters in double figures. Um, okay, we're only on Aaron I'm... Brown right now. Stick to the question. I know. So, all right, <laughs> I'm getting there. Give me some time. Jeez. Um, so, Aaron Brown, I think he's got to have, you know, he's Obviously, got to shoot better than he shot today. He looked rattled today, and uh, I'm not sure what's up with him, but um, he's got to have a good shooting day. You know, give me, you know, 16 points for for Brown, which is, I think, right around his season average. Um, Dan, what do you got? I, I'm going to go if, if BC wins, Aaron Brown is anywhere between 10 to 17 points. I think if he can get – actually, uh, I'll, I'll say 10 to 17. If he puts out, like, a good 13, 14-point output – then, uh, then, the if BC wins, he's got that many points. Okay. What about uh, Heckman? Uh, Heckman's got to have at least fifteen, fifteen to twenty. Um, you know, we've we've definitely seen. You know, today he had nineteen. He scored fourteen in a, in a couple of these games down the stretch against Wake Forest, against NC State. Um, so good. Heckman shows up fifteen to twenty, um, and BC wins. Okay, Dan. Yeah. Good Heckman's giving you 18. To, I'm going to go 18 to 20. I'm not even going to go with the 15 level. He's uh, And he's shooting it lights out from beyond the arc and getting one of those Heckman runs to the basket where he knifes through the entire defense and you're wondering how the hell he got to the hoop. <laughs> All right, what about Clifford? What are you expecting out of him tomorrow in a, in a BC uh, win? I don't, I don't, I don't know if Clifford needs to to be a factor on the offensive end. I think, um, you know, maybe seven to ten points. I think, you know, to keep the Carolina Bigs honest. But um, I think, you know, I don't know. I'm call me crazy, but I think BC can get it done with the the four guards between you know Brown, Batten, Heckman, and and Hamlin. I think they can they can carry this team and. You know, Clifford hasn't been that great. I'm not sure uh, how many points he had today, something like seven or um, something. So, you know, I wouldn't expect much out of much out of Clifford tomorrow, uh, particularly given the, the opposition. So, you know, he's mm-hmm. going to be going up against um, some really talented forwards um, where, you know, um, I don't know, five to ten. Um, you know, he didn't score any in, against – uh, Wake Forest, and they still won by 18 points. So uh, I really don't, really don't think Clifford needs to. I don't think you need to get a lot of points out of Clifford to to actually win. Okay, Dan, what do you got for Clifford? Uh, enough. So the, uh, I, he, he stinks. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Give me I'm sorry. I'm sure Give he's a number. great kid. I'm sure he's a great Dennis. kid. I'm sh- if you're listening, Dennis, I'm sorry. I, I think you're a great kid. I'm sure you're academically outstanding, 
but for in terms of basketball skill, I'm sorry. I mean, my co- my my college roommate was a center, and his and his coach told him you have very very limited abilities. And he walked out, and he was like, "All right, you know what? I'm still getting a degree out of this, so it worked out well." If he gives you five points, including one of those emphatic "I got left wide open under the basket" dunks, I will be elated. Because because <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Dennis Clifford is it, it, he's he's starting because he's got seven he's seven foot one he's just he's he's not a very very good basketball player in the ACC I'm sure he'd be great in a mid major but you know I just I don't I don't see him putting out any production and again I'm I'm sorry that I said it that way and I really feel bad because I'm sure he's a great kid but you know right, it's, I'm putting, it's I'm putting you sometimes down for you gotta, three points yeah. from Clifford because we're gonna see yeah. he doesn't get yeah. that wide open dunk. Okay, no, so that leaves, just, we're going with that. So, so, so we have Batten left out of the starters before we get to Hanlon. So, Brian, in in seven words or less, how many points for Dimitri Batten? Eighteen. Uh, Twelve of them from three. Oh, okay, Dan. I'm just gonna say ditto. I'm just gonna <laughs> say ditto. All right. So now we get to Olivier Hanlon. Brian, how many? Um, I won't give you a, a maximum word count on this one. Uh, how many points do you see out of Olivia Hanlon tomorrow in a BC win? Uh, I, th- I think he'll he'll do pretty well. I would expect maybe uh, you know another twenty point performance, say twenty to twenty five with. Uh, but I really think the key is how many assists he has. So um, you know, in a win, he's probably got eight uh, six to eight assists, um, um, and really spreads. F- spreads the scoring. Um, so it's not just the Olivia Hanlon show. He's actually spreading the wealth and um, getting some of these assists. Okay. Dan? Uh, I'm going double-double. I'm going 30 points. 30, 30 and 10, yeah. Uh, the double-double would certainly be nice. Unfortunately, he has a better chance of getting the double-double through getting uh, 10 rebounds probably than than getting the uh, 10 assists, yeah. even though the 10 assists is what we could really, really use. Um so, Dan, you have our starting five scoring 84 points in tomorrow's <laughs> BC win. And, Brian, you're close behind with BC's starting five scoring 78. So, I think um, – I, I thought we had a chance against North Carolina, but if that's what it's going to take for Boston College to beat North Carolina, I am doubting myself now because <laughs> I don't see that happening. <laughs> All right, we take back any bulletin board material we gave Carolina over the last hour and a half. We're not going to win tomorrow. We suck. See you next year. <laughs> All right, Dan, why don't you bring us back under control here? <laughs> I don't think I can. I just said I, – I have said some really horrible things on tonight's show. Um, <laughs> I'll reset it, yeah. and I, I'll, throw, I'll throw this out there that I um, – so number one, if they win, it, now number one, win or lose, do I want to do it? Do I, I want to have you guys for another show tomorrow? Win or lose? It's silence. Okay, we'll talk about that <laughs> off the air. <laughs> All right, we'll come back to no. This show's off the rails now. All right, I'll leave it with the uh, with the final prediction for tomorrow. We'll, we'll leave it on that on that note. I will. Uh, I'll I'll say this. I'll I'll. I'm going to step back and I'm going to say I'm going to let you guys bring this one on home because I clearly don't know anything about basketball based off of what I said tonight. So Brian, I'm going to I'm going to pitch it to you and just kind of sit back and enjoy the show on this. Okay, so real quick, I'll get 
to I want to get to predictions and then I want to pose one final question to Jeff. We got like three minutes left. Um, so my prediction um, is unfortunately I'm, go, I'm going to go with 72, 61. Uh, Carolina wins, um, but Hanlon looks good doing it um, in his last game as uh, as a Boston College Eagle. Jeff, what do you got? Okay, I am going to uh, go ahead and and predict the Boston College victory. Um, as a, as as a true fan, uh, take off my analyst hat for a moment, and I, I think BC wins something like uh, seventy three to uh, seventy, and I, I think they get a a big lead at some point, and and we just simply do not see uh, UNC's best effort tomorrow. Uh, maybe even one of those uh, moments where Roy Williams subs out the entire team because he's that upset with the kind of effort he's getting from the guys on the floor, um, and, and BC manages to pull off the huge upset. Jeff with the onions. All right, so real quick, <laughs> um, we got a minute left. So when we do this show at this time next year, um, after BC's won the ACC tournament, um, no, I'm just only, only kidding. So uh, – you know, things are things are feeling pretty good right now, but, um, you know, fast forward a year from now, um, you know, BC loses a lot of talent. Um, and I guess my question is, what will make you unhappy as a fan, um, you know, after next season, you know, given the entire body of work for next year? So, like, it, maybe it's a record, maybe a win-loss record, maybe it's, you know, something else, but um, what what – what do you think you would see out of this team next year, um, assuming there's a lot of new faces um, that would make you unhappy with uh, Jim Christian hire? Um, gosh, it's, it's really tough to answer because we don't know for sure if we're getting another year out of Hamlin. Certainly if Hamlin's back, I know we lose a bunch of talent, but you know, a lot of other teams in ACC lose a bunch of talent every year too. So I do not want to be playing um, – on the first day of the ACC tournament. Well, actually check that because there's usually six teams that play on the first day of the ACC tournament. So, yeah. um if if we were if we, if we were sixth from the bottom, I'd be feeling a lot better about BC than uh than being third from the bottom right now. But with Hanlon, you know, certainly we need to be in position to not be playing on that first day of the tournament um with a couple games to go uh in the regular season. Um with Without Hamlin, um, we we just need to see some signs from uh, the the new guys, whoever they are, because we don't really know at this point. Um, who, whoever steps up and ends up uh, filling out our starting five, uh, we need to see them maybe knock off uh, a ranked team next year. So uh, without Hamlin, I don't think we can talk about like, hey, we need to make the NIT or anything like that. Um, but I would like to see them have you know one maybe upset victory in, in Conti uh, to kind of uh, get us a little bit excited about the following year, uh, Jim Christian year three. I am uh, just excited for some basketball tomorrow, and that's that's how I'm going to throw it out there. I hope my uh, I hope my boss doesn't mind me taking a meeting break between the hours of 2 and 4, because at 2 o'clock tomorrow, Boston College takes on the University of North Carolina, down there in Greensboro, the uh, the fans will be out wearing the Rhode Island blue. That's right, I'm calling it Rhode Island blue to give them bulletin board material. 
They're going to be out stealing the Rhode Island mascot. It's going to be great. So Rhode Island will take on uh, – uh, Rhode Island will take on – North Carolina will – I got to go. <laughs> North Carolina will take on Boston College tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Guys, it's been a fun ride, if nothing else, this season uh, with all the different storylines that we've seen. And uh, for, all, for, for you guys, it's been a fun night. We've had some fun tonight, and hopefully uh, – Hopefully this is not the end of the basketball season after uh, after playing one one game in the tournament. Yeah, ho- hopefully we do have the opportunity to call into your uh, your monologue tomorrow night. That, that, that'd be great <laughs> after, the, after the BC win. <laughs> for, for Jeff Martin and Brian Fava, I'm Dan Rubin saying thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Keep an eye on the uh, on BC Interruption at on Twitter at BC Interruption. Also BC Interruption on Facebook and at bcinterruption.com. You can catch all of our podcasts online via subscription at, via iTunes. It is free. Uh, also at blogtalkradio.com slash BC Interruption. All of our podcasts throughout the years, the last season or, or two, last year or two, are up there. Feel free to tune in and feel free to weigh in as the Eagles make their way into game two of the NCAA, of the ACC, rather, tournament en route to Selection Sunday with the NCAA tournament. For everybody here, we'll talk to you soon, folks, and thanks again for tuning in. Have a great rest of your night. Have a great rest of your week, and as always, go Eagles. Hello.